Well, communication is an incredible tool, is it not? It's just an incredible functioning reality in life. And so often as we look at communication, everything is great with communication generally until the problems hit, right? That's generally where we're like, what's up with the communication here? You know, there's a statement that we all know that says, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words lie, right? Listen, sticks and stones can break bones, and words can really, really hurt. And in fact, Ben Franklin had it uh, pretty good. He said, a slip of the foot, and you may soon recover, but a slip of the tongue, you may never get over. The Jewish proverb says nothing causes more trouble than the tongue. And so the question just comes up, what's the deal with communication? Well, we are here for the purpose of worshiping and worshiping through learning from the Word of God. So let's go to the Word of God and try and get some help on this issue of communication. And grab your Bible, and if you don't have a Bible with you, we're going to have some people walk in the aisles here and just flag them down. We want for you to have a Bible. We are all about having eyes in the Bible, and I already am just thrilled to pieces because I'm here and pages turn. And I just love that. So go to James chapter 4. James chapter 4, and I want for us to take a look at some communication realities here. Now, as I mentioned, communication generally becomes an issue to us, a concern to us, when we have problems with communication, kind of like our illustrated, at least in two of the pictures that are on the screen. And what I want to do today is now, let me say what I don't want to do today, actually, is I could, but I've chosen not to so that you know, is today is not about techniques for communication. I could sit down with you and go through four rules of communication and wonderful four rules. And by the way, there's a booklet out there called Communication by Rob Green. The two bucks, pick it up, and it's got the four rules of communication in there. I want to tell you those four rules have had huge help to me in my life and in my former business life. Pick it up. We've got some booklets out there on responding uh, when life hurts, responding to trials, various things out here for you, peacemaking for families that, that's out there that talk about it and have tips and tools. Some of in fact, out of that book I'm going to refer today. But today I want to kind of start, stay with the core of the matter of communication. And James 4 gets at the core of communication in two verses, just two verses I was telling people before the service started today, I'm going to cover two verses. How long can that take? Watch me. <laughs> but James chapter 4. And here we're going to take a look on this side. Well, let's just get there, okay? James chapter 3, which is the chapter before James chapter 4. Isn't it amazing how James marked those out for us? Uh, yeah, whatever. But it does help. James chapter 3 is talking about the tongue. And it talks about the power of the tongue. It talks about the power of the tongue for doing great good. It talks about the power of the tongue for doing great harm. Listen, the tongue is an incredibly powerful tool. 
And let's look actually at the very last verse of James chapter 3, which leads in, because when James wrote this, there weren't the, the chapter breaks. And we have a tendency, they're wonderful to get around, but sometimes we have the tendency to stop thought. And, and let's, so that's the context. Tongue, speaking, the power of it. James chapter 3, verse 18. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now, here is the, the context is the tongue, and here James is talking about sowing and making peace. This is talking about peace in relationships. You and I being peacemakers. Okay? That's what he's talking about. And the core of that comes out of this tool right in here, the mouth, the tongue. And the tongue can be a phenomenal tool for peace, for righteousness, for goodness. And yet, let's go to James chapter 4, verse 1. By the way, parents with second through fifth graders, your kids are studying James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 today in their class. So you are at a place where you have a great teaching time today at lunch, right? Because you're both going to be in it. James chapter 4, verse 1, with the context of peace and righteousness in the tongue right before, look at verse 1. James says, out of a kind of a conceptual discussion into a reality discussion, verse 1, what causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? Isn't that interesting? I mean, here he was just talking about peace and righteousness and the power of the tongue. Chapter 3 is kind of conceptual truth. And now he's addressing a situation. The, the word here for what, we could say it, what's up with the quarrels? And by the way, what's up with the fights? The word quarrels here, it's talking about strife and conflict. It's interesting, in other contexts, the exact same Greek word is used and translated for military war. So if it's talking about in a time of battle taking place in the physical war army, it's literally in that idea of war. But here in communication, it's referring to a general, a prolonged and serious dispute between people. This is talking about relationship wars going on and have been going on. And going on and going on. So the first word that he uses here, he uses for the purpose of including the concept of, listen, there are ongoing, unending, unsolved problems and relationships that are going on. What's up with that? <laughs> Is what he's saying. Now, the second word, what's up with the quarrels, what's up with the fights, it's a different tone to it. It's talking about specific disputes, specific arguments. It's used in 2 Timothy 2.23, talking about quarrels related to, as Timothy says, foolish, ignorant speculations. In Titus 3.9, it's talking about foolish debates about the law. So what's happening here is, is James is saying, listen, there's quarrels there's these prolonged unending ongoing battles that's going on and also there's these battles where it's like we're just arguing about this issue right now i'm telling you this is a broad statement covering a lot of stuff and notice what's the next two words after that among you 
Now, he's not talking conceptually. He's not saying, you know, there's people out there in the universe that have these long relational battles. And then there's people out in the universe that kind of, they're arguing over these issues of, you know, momentary theology or topics or things of the day. Or, you know, they're getting in battles over ridiculous things of the day kind of stuff. He's not talking about it. He's saying this about people who gather together who are what we would say believers and followers of Christ. They're Christians. And we know about this, don't we? We know about fighting, right? I got a problem. No, No, yeah, we know about this stuff. We know about unresolved relational conflicts. We know about the short-term things. Not that debates and discussions are wrong, but it moves beyond that. And it moves beyond that doggone nose little booger. I mean, it just he doesn't believe this. That's what this is talking about. And James is like, what's up with that? What's up with that? Hey, let's just pause for a moment here. Well, let me bring a couple other passages. John 13, 34, just if you want to note it down. John 13, 34, Jesus says that a trademark of his disciples is that they love one another. 1 Corinthians 1.10, Paul appeals to the Corinthians and he says, You agree, and, and, that you, you agree and, and may there be no divisions among you, that you be united in mind and judgment. Then in 2 Corinthians 12.20, Paul says to the same group of people, There may be quarreling. Listen to this list. There may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, And disorder among you. And that's Christians. That's people who gather together in the name of Jesus. And that kind of stuff is going on. And in this pause moment here, kind of pulling out of the moment of the context of James, it's kind of like, listen, many of you know about these kind of things happening in a local church and the sadness that it is amongst it. But let's not just keep it in that realm, because let's bring it into the reality of the re- our reality. And let me ask this question. Are you right now in a quarrel? An issue, a situation in life with someone or some people that has just been going on and on and on. And it just keeps going on. Are you in one now? Are you right now, or as you look over this past month, have there been times where you have those, those, those issues, those debates, those discussions, those items of disagreement that don't, that, 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 that don't stay in the realm of we disagree on something, but move into the realm of fool, and the fighting is going on? Married couples? Singles roommates? High schoolers' friends? Junior hires' friends? Brother, sister? Every one of us knows about this. Okay? And we're a church that it's like, let's not play the game. Let's be real. And we all know about this. So here's the question What's up with that for all of us? 
Because these things come out in our communication. What's up? Let's keep reading. And let's answer the question of what's up. Look at this. Uh, James chapter 4, let's hit verse 1 again. What causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? Is it not this? Okay, that means, here we go. Here's the answer to it. Here we go. That your passions are at war within you. What's he talking about here? Well, the, the word passion here, or the, the statement here could literally be this. Not from this, not from out of your hedonism. The Greek word is actually the form of the word where we get derived hedonism from. Well, what is hedonism? Hedonism is the pursuit of pleasure. It's the pursuit of sensual indulgence. It believes that the satisfaction of my desires is the highest and proper aim of life. Why do we fight and quarrel? James says this. Because you and I, within us, are hedonists by nature. I'm all about me. I don't know about you. (laughs) I'm all about me. How about you? Are you all about you? I'm all about me. That's the battle within, right? We know about that. And you may be going, what in the world are you talking about? Great question, and I am thrilled that you asked that. Let's go to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. Love, love this passage. That would be L-L-T-P. Romans 7. What are we talking about here? What is James talking about here? You know, we're in conceptual thought somewhat. Let's bring it to someone real. Now, if you think of the Apostle Paul, we would think, Apostle Paul, incredible dude. I mean, wrote like half the New Testament, used by God in incredible ways in his day and age. I mean, the Apostle Paul, surely that guy didn't have problems. Surely what James was talking about, the Apostle Paul could not have been that had this leaning towards being a hedonist. Uh, Not. Look at verse 15, Romans chapter 7. Listen to what Paul, I love this transparency. Hang with me because this is kind of a tongue twister. Starting in verse 15. I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want. But I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. That's what James is talking about. Verse 18, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but I actually do the evil I do not want. That's what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, you hanging with me? If I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Verse 21. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. Oh, I do. 
But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am. That's Paul. Who will deliver me from the body of death? That's what James is talking about. That's the exact battle that James is talking about. But we can't leave it there. Let's answer Paul's question. Verse 25. Oh, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Hey, this is a follower of Jesus Christ. This is a leader of the the, the message of Jesus Christ. And that's the battle that he has. And if he has that battle, I am telling you, I got that battle. And I know that you do too. Because we're all the same at the foot of the cross. That's what James is talking about. Why do I quarrel and fight? Well, because I'm a hedonist. Because I want what I want. Remember the words? I wish you would just like shrink them down. You don't ever do that. You never do that. You know, those are the words. What's going on here? Point number one. Do I understand that there's a war on my inside? Do I understand that there's a war? There are wars on my inside. In other words, we have within us this as James says, this desire, this sinful desire to do what we want. And we have a battle going on. Along with that, in essence, the completion of that is, is that the wars on my inside show in the wars on my outside. You may be asking, Doug, what in the world does this have with communication? Everything. Because what James is saying this, what you speak tells what's in your heart. By the way, are you noticing I'm pointing here when I say heart? See, here in our culture, we have the view of heart as being the, oh, so gooey, gooey, woo, wonderful, don't we? But that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about the battle here. The the, the battle that's up here and the thinking, that's really the heart, the core, the center of who I am. And the words that I speak tell me about what's in here. How do I know what my heart is about? Look at the words that I speak. Because eventually the heart comes out. I want, I lust... In fact, let's go to read verse 2 in James 4. Because he explains it some more here. You desire and do not have, so you murder. Oh, by the way, let's bring in the reality of that. In 1 John, it talks about if you hate your brother, you are a murderer. And think of the times in communication struggles when we're talking with someone, even my spouse or my children, at times I get so livid mad that there literally are times that could be categorized where I'm hating them right now. Man, Doug, you're like 
uptight. No, I'm just trying to be real. And in the moment, in the time, it's as though I'm hating that person if, from God's perspective right now. And it shows in my words. And we murder. And then he goes on. Verse 2. You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. I want that. I need that. I must have that. Now, when I say that, we're automatically thinking of things, aren't we? But let me bring this back to a reality. Uh, I'm taking this out of Ken Sandy's book, um, Peacemaking for Families. And parents, if you have a family, you need to get that book. It's out in the hallway. Please get it. Chapter 2, he talks about the progression of an idol. And the progression of an idol follows this. Think of what James is talking about here in the movement. Uh, Ken brings it up from this aspect. I desire to be respected. I desire to be respected. Or I desire to be liked. I desire my friends at high school to like me. Or junior high. I desire to be loved. I just want to be loved by you. Listen, that's a good desire, isn't it? Listen, nothing's wrong with wanting to have respect given to you. Nothing's wrong with wanting to be liked. Nothing's wrong with wanting to be loved. But when I desire something moves into a demand where I demand that you respect me. After all, I'm the pastor here. (laughs) I demand that you respect me. You're my wife. I demand that you like me because you should. I demand that you love me because that's what you're supposed to do. Maybe so, but still, I can control my thinking and my actions, but I can't control yours. And when a desire moves into a demand, we are now in the stage of having to have put an idol before us that I am literally in the process of bowing down to right now. I demand that you respect me. And out of that, if you don't respect me, I am now going to judge you. You don't respect me. You're a loser. You don't respect me. Good people do that. You don't like me. You're supposed to. You don't love me. You're messed up. Maybe even so. But I've now moved to the point of making a judgment call on them. Not just a judgment call of of analyzing the situation, but a judgment call to where I am looking in the situation and I am judging you for the horrible person that you are. What kind of husband would not love his wife? Loser. And then we move to I punish. Because you don't love me, I'm getting back. Because you don't respect me, I'm not going to respect you. Because you don't like me at school, that is free territory for me now to trash your name and gossip about you. You see the process? And think of how communication is part of that massive part of that process. I desire... I demand, I judge, and I punish. Let me bring it to one more. Money. 
I desire to have some money. I desire not to have some financial problems. I desire to be rich. That'd be cool. Wouldn't it? Oh, come on. Playing a game. Hey, nothing's wrong with being rich. We're going to talk about money here in a couple. Nothing's wrong with that. You look at the scriptures and you see very wealthy people all through the scriptures. Nothing's wrong with money. But then when it moves into a demand, I demand to have no financial struggle. I demand to have no trials with money. And that then moves into, I judge. Listen, you don't even take care of your money very well. You know, by the way, you don't deserve that. I work harder than you and you have more. Not fair. And by the way, what you have, you use for like dumb stuff. (laughs) And then I punish. Because of that, I'm going to take it from you. You know, businesses, they make all kinds of money, so I'm going to go ahead and take the three, the, the, the post-it notepad, because who cares? They won't know. I'm going to work 12 hours a day because I just want to be rich, stinking rich, and forget my family and my relationship with my spouse. And in essence, I'm punishing them for the desire that has grown into an idol. I will do whatever I need to do, even if it's sin, to get that. Even if that is something that's okay of a desire. That's what James is talking about. You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet, you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. And we saw it in the skit. What was Ravi wanting? What were they all wanting? What were the expectations? And then they moved into the demand and the process. Well, consider some of these passages. Luke 6.45, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart... His mouth speaks. Ephesians 4.29 Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. None. But only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion, that I may give grace to those who hear. Philippians 4.8 Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there are any excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about those things. Why is it that some people have very honorable speech, very truth-oriented speech, very just-oriented speech, very pure-oriented speech, very lovely-oriented speech, very excellent speech that builds up people? Why do they have that? Because God put them in a better home? Because God put them in a better situation? Because they're better communicators. None of those. Because they're the kinds of people, for out of the overflow of the heart, by the way, out of the overflow, these are people who are putting truth and honor and grace and God's kind of thinking in their heads in their hearts, and out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that's why today, with just having one shot on communication right now in this series, 
I could give you some rules, some tools, things like don't get angry, and by the way, or, or don't speak when you're angry, or you know, uh, attack the problem, not the person. Uh, you know, these various things I could give these to you. But listen, even someone who has a heart that is not in the right place is not going to speak in the right manner. It is about the heart. It's about the heart. That's what James is talking about here. So, I have three assignments for you this week. Here we go. Three assignments. You see those little pictures down at the bottom of the page? The first one's that beautiful pair of lips. I took that picture of my wife. <laughs> Photoshopped that out and put that in there. But we've got those lips, and then we've got that heart, and then we've got a Bible there. Here's your assignment. And actually, the first two we're going to do right now, just for a couple minutes. The very first assignment is this, under the lips. I want for you to be thinking, one, think of in the last month or in the last couple of weeks, who have you struggled in your communication with? Is it a boss, coworker, neighbor, family member, spouse, child? Just right at the moment, who, who are two people? Just get, get that in your mind. Now, pick one of those or both of those, and under the lips, this is just, okay, no eyes passing pages, okay, just yours, for you and God. As you look under the lips there, write down a couple words that would describe your communication with that individual. It might be a one or two that are struggles. It might be some positive things that you're seeing, like I'm speaking less words or I'm, I don't know what that would be. What would they be? Just note a couple words there. We'll give you a minute. I don't want to just be a talker about this, but I want for us to be a doer. What would be those words? Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's grace. Maybe it's high expectations. I I don't know what would be some words that come to mind for you. Next to that is the heart. Under the heart, I would like for you to try and join the lips to the heart. If I'm struggling with having words that are volcanic with a person, or as a friend once said, I do word vomit, (laughs) just kind of come and... If that's the case, what's going on in your heart? In other words, what are you wanting? What do you want? in that situation so bad that you're willing to, in that situation, sin to get it? What's going on in your heart? Give me a minute.
The third assignment is under the Bible there is to, in essence, go home. And I want for you to take the next step of what are you going to do about it? And what does the scripture say about that issue? And if that's something where you're, you don't know the scriptures too well, I would like to encourage you to pick up this quick, quick scripture reference manual out there. And in the front of this, it's all listed and ordered. I've mentioned this a number of times. It's a list of just a number of things in here like fear, like friendships, giving, gossip, hate, hope, hot temper, husband, wife, laziness, just various topics that are in here that then you can look and just have some just scripture, just scripture about that issue. But go home, sit down, and spend some time with God. What's going on, God? What's going on in my heart that causes me to speak that kind of way? What's driving my speaking? What's in here? What's in my heart? God, what's going on? What do you say about it? And let me start living you through it. Let me start filling it up so that you start flowing out. So that the wars within here begin to be getting overcompensated, overfilled with truth. So that truth begins coming out in my life. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Why are there fights and quarrels among us? Because of what's going on in here. It takes two people to fight. It takes two people to fight. And if one person, if one of them stays on course with God's word and God's truth and God's principles played out and God's thinking applied to the situation, you can't fight with that person. I've tried sometimes with Karen. When I've been in a sinful state and she's on course and it's irritating because I can't fight. And then you sit back and you go, thanks, babe. Thanks for helping me even get back on course. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What causes quarrels and fights among you? Listen, in our communication, we generally think of communication as being a problem when we're having problems. And where do the problems start from? Listen, please don't get into the blame shifting. It's all them. Hey, a sovereign God has allowed even this fussing situation at work, at home, to come on your plate. The issue before God is how are you going to handle it? And by the way, those in small groups, you're getting a lot of help in the scriptures on how to handle this kind of stuff. Put the word in and put the word out in your life. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the time and your word here. We think of how here we are talking about communication and your your word is the scriptures. Uh, Your words brought to us and Father, you've provided us truth. You've provided us your words so that we can know how to be able to live and do and be. I thank you for your words. I thank you that you have not left us void of your communication to us. And you have also made us in such a way that we have the ability to communicate to other people. And as verse 18 at the end of chapter 3 said, we can be about righteousness and peace. 
And Lord, I thank you for so many here that are doing that. That are working on that. They're working on their tongue. They're working on their speech. And they're filling their heart. They're filling their head with truth. And it's coming out of their mouths. It's coming out of their attitudes. And God, to you be the glory for that. Because that's the work of you in us. And Father, I pray we be the kind of people like Paul in Romans 7, where we see the reality of this battle going on with us, within us. We see the war that's taking place inside of us. And we see that and we pursue you to be the conquering king of it. We're never going to be perfect in our communication. Oh, but God, we can be growing and we can be honoring you in it. There is a war inside, and that war comes down to, do I want life to be about what I want, or do I want things to be about how I respond the way you want me to? I pray we would be the kind of people who respond through your eyes, even when we're wronged. Help us, God. We all are working on this area of communication. And if we don't understand the heart core of it, we're not going to be able to become better communicators. And we want to be a church that resolves problems and helps people and communicates the truth and is a massive blessing to the west side of Indianapolis and a key area is in how we speak. May we be people that speak to honor you at home, at everywhere. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and let's make this our prayer.